Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with your host, Hank Hanegraaff. The Bible Answer Man is the radio ministry of the Christian Research Institute, designed to equip believers to defend their faith and become true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because life and truth matter. Our phone number is 888-7000-CRI. You can find us on the internet at equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now to begin today's broadcast, Here's Hank Hanegraaff. And thank you so much, Randy. I've been going through this week my Christmas acronym. I talked about Christ and history, the C and the H. Yesterday I talked about resurrection and incarnation, the R and the I. Today I want to start with the S and end with the T. The S reminds us of Santa Claus. And believe it or not, even Santa can be saved. Because far from being a dangerous fairy tale, Santa Claus in reality is an anglicized form of the Dutch name Sinterklaas, which in turn is a reference to St. Nicholas, a Christian bishop from the 4th century. According to holy tradition, St. Nick not only lavished gifts on needy children, but also he valiantly supported the doctrine of the Trinity at the Council of Nicaea, A.D. 325. And while the word Trinity-like incarnation is not found in the Bible, it aptly codifies what God has condescended to reveal to us about his nature and about his being. I've often said this and it bears repeating, the Trinitarian platform contained at least three platforms that are essential. And this again was the platform confirmed at Nicaea. The first plank underscores the reality that there is but one God. So Christianity is not polytheistic, but fiercely monotheistic. You are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Those beautiful words from Scripture. The second plank emphasizes that in hundreds of Scripture passages, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are declared to be fully and completely God. As a case in point, the Apostle Paul says that there is but one God, the Father. And the Father, speaking of the Son, says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And when Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, Peter says that he had not lied to men, but to God. The third plank of the Trinitarian platform asserts that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternally distinct. Scripture clearly portrays subject-object relationships between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
The Father and Son love one another. They speak to one another, and together they send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus proclaims that he and the Father are two distinct witnesses and two distinct judges. If Jesus were himself the Father, his argument would not only have been irrelevant, it would have been fatally flawed. And if that were the case, it could not have been fully God. It is important to note that when Trinitarians speak of one God, they're referring to the nature or the essence of God. When they speak of persons, they're referring to personal self-distinctions within the Godhead. Let me put it another way. We believe in, in one what and three who's. Jehovah's Witnesses, for one, they contentiously claim Satan to be the originator of the Trinitarian dogma. And the Muslim Allah, well, he not only misapprehends Trinitarian doctrine, but avers that Trinitarians are guilty of blasphemy, quite a charge. What these and many other like-minded counterfeit religions have in common is that their Unitarian gods, by definition, lack the moral perfection of love, and thus, on the basis of logic, they are morally defective. And that is so because for God to be a perfect being, he must of necessity also be a loving being, which implies that there's someone to love. Because in accordance with modern cosmology, the universe and the persons that inhabit the universe came into being a finite time ago. And thus, independent of creation, these Unitarian gods would not have had an object on which to lavish love. While moral imperfections apply to such counterfeit gods, they do not likewise apply to the authentic Trinitarian deity of the historic Christian faith. Though the biblical God is a single being, there are subject-object distinctions within the Godhead. And the three centers of consciousness within the one true God have loved one another from all eternity. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, all sorts of people are, are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love. But they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. While the Trinity is incomprehensible, the doctrine of the Trinity is hardly incoherent. As has been well said, Christian monotheism, Christian monotheism affirms the presence of three eternal divine persons who are united in such a way as to be a single God and whose love for one another is the very basis for all of human life. These persons are not separate, but they are distinct. And this distinction is what makes it possible for God to share love within himself from all eternity. Christians may look back 
to the tradition of St. Nick. St. Nick who lavished gifts on the needy. St. Nick who valiantly supported the doctrine of the Trinity at the Council of Nicaea. As a legendary, a legendary hero of the faith. So as you celebrate the coming of Christ, I hope the story of selflessness on the part of St. Nick or Santa Claus reminds you of the Savior who gave the greatest gift of all. For the example of St. Nick is a reminder to generously support God-ordained ministries so that the message of salvation can reach those who have not as yet received salvation by God's grace through faith. When I think of those who have not heard, I think in my mind immediately to the 1040 window. This vast terrain that stretches from the coast of Africa to the coast of Asia. All that land in between. In that land reside 96% of the unreached people of the world. People who have as yet to hear about the Christ we celebrate at Christmas. And I say that because the Christian Research Institute is increasingly being used to help get the message to those people by equipping people in those very regions to become missionaries. Missionaries to to many different countries, but countries that they live in and that they can impact because they know the language and the customs and are well suited to communicate the truth and love and joy that only Jesus Christ can bring to the human heart. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about traditions. I love traditions. I love the Christmas tree tradition. And this Christmas season, as in those gone by, it's so often to hear people rail against Christmas trees. I can't, I can't fathom why. Well, I guess I'll tell you why. They're condemning these trees as idolatrous. Again, when I come back, I'm going to point out that this condemnation is not based in reason. It's based in rhetoric that doesn't correspond to any reality. In fact, it's a misappropriation of the words of sacred scripture itself. Again, we're going to talk about the Christmas tree tradition and other traditions that are so important to celebrate as we move toward the celebration of Christ's coming in flesh. Again, as we go to break, I want to thank all of you who stand shoulder to shoulder with me in the battle for life and truth. You are definitely making a difference for time and for eternity. You can give in a safe, secure fashion on the web at equip.org, or you can write me at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. Be right back. Don't touch that dial. Apologetics, the defense of the faith, is a handmaiden of evangelism and a vital partner of discipleship. With it, the Christian can engage and graciously disarm the generally naive and caricatured objections of skeptics. Without it, one will be unable to withstand the rising tide of militant secularism and anti-Christian thinking. 
To enable the Christian Research Institute to continue producing quality apologetics resources accessible worldwide, simply call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. Don't tune out. Hank Hanegraaff will be back in a moment. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ, and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. This, then, is the climax of divine revelation, God with us. The infinite has progressively revealed himself in accordance with our finitude. Thus, prior to Emmanuel, general and special revelation revealed his glory. But in the incarnation, we have seen his glory. Thus writes Hank Hanegraaff in his book, Incarnation, the Ultimate Self-Revelation of God. In short, God's incarnation in human flesh is the apex of revelation. His last word. In taking on human flesh, God gives us more than the clearest image of who He is. He gives us Himself. To receive your copy of Incarnation as our appreciation for your financial partnership, simply call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches or visit equip.org, equip.org. We now return to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. As I said before the break, I want to talk in this segment about traditions, Christmas trees, a gift giving, and epiphany. And it's so commonplace to hear Christians now condemn trees adorned with ornaments as idolatrous. 
And I don't think we should give way to them. Because what they do is they're abusing Scripture to make their point. Here's the Scripture that's most commonly used. It's from the prophet Jeremiah. The customs of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest. A craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it won't totter. If ever there was a text out of context, that's it. Well, this passage may sound like a description of Christmas trees. The biblical context precludes this anachronistic reading of the text. Why? Because the very next verse precludes the pretext. What's that verse? Well, it says that like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They have to be carried because they cannot walk. So Jeremiah's description of a tree cut out of the forest and adorned with silver and gold and fastened with hammer and nails so it's not going to totter is a reference to wooden idols, not to Christmas trees. You know, the Christmas tree is a tradition that began as a distinctively Christian tradition. And it can still be legitimately used by Christians today as part of their festivities. And so it's my prayer that this Christmas season, you're going to be reminded to use the symbolism of Christmas tree as an opportunity to explain the reason for the season and that that reason is the Savior. Remember, we can use all kinds of object lessons to point to Christ. That's what Christians do. Here's another tradition. It's that of gift giving. And no single tradition is more widely adhered to during Christmas than the giving of gifts. This tradition is firmly rooted in the biblical account of the Magi who saw a star in the east and then came to worship Jesus. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, of myrrh. Despite, though, this biblical basis, gift-giving has been vigorously challenged. The basic argument is that magi means astrologers and that God himself would never lead his people to give gifts at Christmas on the basis of astrology. In response, we should note that even if the Magi did practice astrology, the Bible makes it crystal clear that the wise men were led by God both by means of the star which guided them to Christ and by means of the warning that kept them from returning to Herod. And contrary to the practice of astrology, which involves divination and attempts to predict the future apart from God, the star the Magi followed was not used to foretell the future, but rather to foretell the future. In other words, the star of Bethlehem did not prophesy the birth of Christ. It pronounced the birth of Christ. On the one hand, the exchanging of gifts can be dangerous because... Gift-giving has a powerful potential for promoting crass materialism. On the other hand, the giving of gifts reinforces the reality that it is more blessed to give than to receive.
And so this Christmas season, I hope that we will be ever more mindful as we give gifts of the greatest gift we can give to someone else, and that is the Christ child himself. Because when he enters the human heart, everlasting life becomes a present reality. One more tradition. It's the epiphany tradition. What does that mean? Well, epiphany means to reveal. And this is arguably the oldest and most significant of all Christmas traditions. And it is so because it highlights the reality that due to our sin, we cannot come to God. Thus, God in Christ revealed himself to us. The tradition of Epiphany, also known as Three Kings Day, Dreikoningendach, is celebrated as recognition of the first Gentiles to acknowledge Jesus is king. And as such, it corresponds to Simeon's exaltation. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Well, Scripture does not indicate the exact date of the visit of the wise men. There is reason reason to believe that the visitors from the east did not arrive until some time after the day of Mary's purification offering, which took place 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Scripture makes abundantly clear that giving to others, particularly those in need, is tantamount to giving to Christ himself. So on your trek toward the heart of Christmas, I hope this epiphany tradition encourages you to use your time, your talent, your treasure to make the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, known to the nations. I want to get back to the tradition of giving gifts. One of the most troublesome aspects of giving gifts is materialism and commercialism. This is so inextricably woven in the fabric of Christmas and the attendant pressure of giving gifts to others out of a sense of obligation, it sort of tarnishes Christmas. We ought to give freely when we give out of love. And while we can all identify with the pressures of giving, it's important to recognize that perversions do not in and of themselves invalidate the practice of giving gifts. As followers of the one who gave himself for us, we ought to exult in the very notion of giving to others. As such, having the unique opportunity of giving to ministries that propagate the gospel, of giving to the downtrodden and the oft-forgotten, of giving to family members and friends, should overwhelm you and I with joy. Especially especially when there is no expectation of giving to get. Jesus' teaching in this regard are so instructive. Remember the story when he was dining at the house of a Pharisee? Jesus admonished the guests and presumably the host himself, saying, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
don't invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors, because if you do, they might invite you back, and so you will be then repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid. Repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus highlights the reality of genuine kindness and generosity. A kind of kindness and generosity that's motivated by love for others as opposed to the expectation of favor in return. As such, when you're inscribing a Christmas card, or maybe purchasing a gift for a loved one, do it all with a grateful heart. In fact, maybe even do it with a song on your lips. And when you give to the needy, remember the words of the greatest gift of all, the words of Jesus Christ. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, we are very, very close to Christmas. Tomorrow, the day before Christmas, I want to talk about the M, the A, and the X, the Mass in Christmas. We've talked about Christ. We've talked about the history of Christmas, resurrection, incarnation. We talked about traditions. And then we're going to talk about miracles, Advent, and salvation. You don't want to miss tomorrow's very significant broadcast as we move toward the day that we celebrate Christ coming in flesh. Once again, as I close up the broadcast, I want to thank all of you who are making a difference in the lives of people by giving, giving in a tangible way. You can do that on the web at equip.org or by writing me at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to the conclusion of the acronym tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. This Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, why not help others to continue receiving biblical truth in Christ through the Bible Answer Man broadcast? To make a Christmas gift that can transform lives, simply call 888-7000-CRI, 888-7000-CRI. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28271. Or simply visit online at equip.org. The preceding program was pre-recorded. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral. 
furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org.